0: Welcome to your weekly dose of NFL Jibber Jabber, the Club Dub Football Podcast. Remember to follow on Twitter, Insta, and watch video shows each week on YouTube. Want to get in touch? That's easy. Message through social or email clubdubpodcast at mail.com.
1: Welcome to the
2: Club Dub Football Podcast, where the only question is,
0: does your team make it into
1: the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! The guys are ready, so let's hand over to Rob Rose, JB, PB and Aldrin, and get on with the show.
2: Hi, gents. Hi, Rob. Hi, Rob. Another week of an NFL season has rolled around. We've got a really exciting week to look forward to. Um, No small part based on the fact that we have a triple header for Thursday night football with Thanksgiving. Quickly, it feels like it's come around so quick this season, but then with 17 weeks, maybe I just need to pace myself a little differently for this NFL year. But anyway, before we get into all the exciting stories and our predictions for the week ahead, let's go around our virtual room and talk about what we thought of the week just gone. And you know where I'm heading first? Aldrin, kick us off. What are your takeaways from the last week in the world of the NFL?
1: I think it was uh, exactly the same as every week in that nobody could predict it. There's a fair few ups and downs in there. Random teams pulling out great performances. And then a few stinkers from good teams as well. So,
2: yeah, pretty much par for the course this year, I think, isn't it? Part of the course in the bonkers season that has been the NFL. Um, Yeah, I mean, the only thing that you can say is the closer we get to the playoffs, I think the more exciting and the more open it makes the playoffs. It does feel like anybody could beat anyone on their day. Um, It's a pity, actually, a couple of teams seem to be getting it together and you wonder if it might be a bit too late. But yeah, a bonkers week in the NFL, Aldrin's takeaway, I I can only agree. And I think most people would. Um, JB, what were your thoughts on the week just gone?
0: Kind of the same and to kind of harken back to something that we talked about on Sunday during Red Zone when we were watching the Texans play. We kind of remarked that the Texans felt like an any given Sunday team, as in a team that could roll out and on any given Sunday, they could walk away with the win. And it feels like an any given Sunday season like I've evolved the thinking past asking every week who's good. Although Rob did have to put up with me asking that multiple times again during red zone. It, it's so difficult to pin down any team that you, I think now could look and say, yes, they're going into a game and I'm absolutely confident 100% that I can say what the result is going to be. Or, Even what kind of game it's going to be. I think there are some, obviously, there are some exceptions to everything. With respect to everybody in Detroit and everybody who follows the Detroit Lions, you're pretty much guaranteed that's going to be a loss for the Lions. But is it going to be a blowout? Is it going to be a close game? Is it going to go to another tie? There's just, there are so many questions about so many teams. And it's, it's both incredibly frustrating and incredibly fun to watch.
2: Yeah, my my little addition to your point, Jamie, is I thought, I know we've had a few of these absolutely nuts weekends where you, you just couldn't pick a score or a winner or, like you said, what type of game you were about to witness. But I did think the quality of the game, I thought there were some really entertaining games this weekend. Um, I think primetime games have been pretty good all year, but I think that Chargers-Steelers game is again another, I mean, in, in a lot of other seasons, that would be right up there as a real standout. But we've been really spoilt with um, with the primetime slate so far this season. So I'm with you as well. PB, what are yours?
3: For me, it's just echoing what everyone else has said as well. I think it's an absolutely crazy season. You know, you you can't, you can't pick who's going to win, can you? In, in, well, I mean, we struggle to every week, but we have done from the start. But it's, uh, you know, you've got your two kind of top two seeds, uh, top seed in the NFC, top seed in the AFC. And you think, wow, they're, you know, blowing people away every week. And then the Packers go and lose to the Vikings on a last second field goal. Um, and the Titans from nowhere lose to the Texans, who've looked absolutely horrendous every week since they beat the Jaguars in week one. So, it, it you know, it, it's almost like nobody wants that first week by um, in the playoffs this year. It's, it's absolutely crazy. But one note for me on the weekend, and, and the big thing for me, I think, is with the Bills loss um, to the... Oh, where are we? Bills Indianapolis
1: the, Colts. Thank you, Phil. Colts.
3: Sorry, you know I'm trying to block that from my mind with, with the game coming up this week. Um, with the Bills loss to the Colts and the Patriots win on Thursday night football, the Patriots are top of the division again. You know, so their rebuild lasted all of a year, half a year, and and you know they're right back up there with it. So it's uh, I, as we talked about on the pod, I think two three weeks ago, it's you know, a real good turnaround from from Belichick there.
2: Yeah, you you've got the, it. It's it's one of those things that you would imagine Bill Belichick pays no attention to at all, right? You know, if you were to ever put him in a media kind of setting and ask how he felt about Tom Brady winning that Super Bowl, but there were so many stories last year about. You know, look how Brady's doing without Belichick and how Belichick's doing without Brady. And I think there must be a huge sense of satisfaction with what Belichick's doing, particularly as it feels like he's doing it his way. You know, Cam Newton, you know, being replaced and and actually, you know, leaving, you know, to be replaced by Mac Jones. I think it just has Belichick's fingerprints all over it and um, to you know, have a little bit of a fast forward to what's coming on. I've picked the Patriots game this week to talk about because I think there's a really interesting interesting story happening at uh, the Gillette. But, um, but yeah, mine, I, I mean, again, it's very easy to kind of say um, that it's bonkers and it's nuts, and it is. But I think one of the things I'd want to point out is within that madness, there are a couple of really good stories there like The San Francisco 49ers, I mean, that is a real turnaround. I mean, you know, if if you were to, you know, be looking at them three weeks ago, you'd probably be looking at them similarly to teams like the Seahawks at the moment and maybe even the likes of the Jets, you know, teams that you could really see having a kind of hapless, spluttering run to the end of the year. And, And all of a sudden... You know, you beat the Rams, they've got that swagger back and they they just seem to have found a certain recipe. And and for as much as there are crazy results, there are also some teams who are very quietly starting to you know, starting to straighten, you know, uh, things out and, and starting to steady the ship in a way. And I like teams like the 49ers, the Panthers have done it in the last couple of weeks, the Vikings all of a sudden, you know, could just be the type of team that could be a threat in the playoffs. And I think those teams that are, that are starting to, you know, put these small runs together, starting to bounce back, starting to show something is probably the story for me last week, but, um, but yeah, crazily entertaining week, um, And cannot wait, really, for the Slater games we have this weekend because so many of these teams on the up find themselves meeting up against so many of those teams who seem to have gone off the boil, which makes this week just as hard to predict as all the others recently. So um, with that, let's throw ourselves into this week of action. And with Thanksgiving week, Aldrin, who have you picked out as your game of the week, please?
1: So I've gone for what at the start of the season you might have predicted to strong playoff or Super Bowl contenders being, and I've gone for the Buffalo bills against the new Orleans saints. Um, and for me, this is just a really interesting one. Cause like I said, you probably would have picked these teams earlier on in the year or going into the season as being real contenders. You know, I know that the saints lost breeze, but ultimately they've got a great coach and you'd expect him to get the most out of whoever was going to be the quarterback. And obviously it turned out to be Winston, but, um, and the Bills, again, you've got um, Josh Allen coming off what I think we all agreed last year was probably one of the most complete years of a, a quarterback's performance in terms of passing and running and just his all-round game took an absolute leap. But then you find both of these teams, you know, between them, over the last three weeks, they've got one win. And they're really they're, – I think they're they're really struggling in in – both offense and defense. Certainly the Bills, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ham it up because it was the Colts that gave them an absolute drubbing, but ultimately they were really off the pace. You know, ultimately the Colts put up 45 points and won really a, a canter. And that certainly isn't um, the way that Josh Allen's led his team. I think he was uncharacteristically poor, you know, aside from a couple of, well, routine touchdowns when the game was almost gone. Um, He was off the pace and the defense didn't really do anything to slow um, the Colts. And then on the other side, you've got the Saints who were, again, really, really poor. Um, Obviously, the quarterback situation's a bit murky. It seems like Simeon's the QB1 although they've just given Taysom Hill a a new four-year contract. So, you know, again, they're coming into a kind of struggling loss against the Eagles who dominated them pretty comfortably again. You know, I think both teams, both the Bills and the Saints really struggled against the run in this last week. So, um, yeah, I just think it's a fascinating matchup of two teams you would have been expecting to be charging towards the playoffs yet. Both a bit spluttering and a bit struggling. I think it's really
0: think, interesting. Oh, sorry, go on. Sorry, I, no, I, I think we're about to kind of say the same kind of thing. I think this is an incredibly interesting game to watch from those from for those kind of reasons. I'm not going to potentially say too much on this because I think there's some things I'm going to say that circle back. I would circle back to when I talk about my game, but identity is kind of a thing for this game. And it's a thing for both of these teams, kind of like you called out for the saints. Who are they? Who is their quarterback? Are they going with Trevor Simeon? Are they going to ride Taysom Hill? Now they've given him this new contract. Have we been going, have they been going with Simeon because Hill's still coming back from that injury? Maybe this week as he's now rested, is he going to be from there from the bills point of view? Who are the bills? Because they're not who we saw last year and they're not, Who we saw the year before, either. And if we take the year before being the not not the bad bills, but the less good bills, and this last year was the good bills, this year is the who are the bills. So
2: yeah, I think it's a good game to watch. The weird thing for me is so on the one hand, you make a really good point, Aldrin, that you know when when you're an NFL franchise and you're playing your third string quarterback admittedly a, a guy who has had, you know, a limited experience as a starter in the NFL. But when you're playing your third string quarterback, typically good things don't happen, right? That That is kind of a general rule of thumb. But when you're playing your third string quarterback ahead of your second string guy, and a, a guy that went into this year believing he was competing for the starting job, it does seem strange. I mean, I like how they use Hill. They've kind of used him as a short yard runner. They've obviously used him... Um, you know, as a kind of creative quarterback, you know, for these kind of trick plays particularly. And this season they've started to use him more, I mean, just as a, a wide receiver. But it is an odd one with the Saints. I, I think, you know, with Jameis Winston going down, it certainly changed their plan A. I think Simeon does some really nice things, actually. Looks like he's throwing better at times than I thought he he did in Denver, throwing a little more off his back foot. Um, but the weird thing about it is, I don't know. I just can't really see how the Saints believe they're going to compete. And and that seems to me, you know, to be very much, you know, very unlike Sean Payton. You know, you you imagine with Taysom Hill, you know, you have that low floor, but you have a pretty high ceiling. You know, the guy's shown in those brief, whether it's those plays he's coming for that brief run he had as a starter last season. He he can move the ball and he, he can get that team playing well. So you do wonder what the thinking is around around Simeon. Maybe this is an opportunity for him to win the starter's job next season. I think it's unlikely, but but ultimately, who knows? But for as much as I, I've talked I think, down the...
1: Oh, go well, on. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I think as well, you know, obviously they've got so many injuries on offence. You know, Kamara's been missing the last couple of weeks. Mm. Thomas out. You know, they've not got the receiving core. So I, I do wonder as well whether whilst they've got you know, average receivers, whether they're leaning on Simeon as more of a traditional quarterback and Mm. arguably slightly more accuracy than Taysom Hill brings, although he brings that other dynamic. I I do wonder if that plays into it as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Simeon hasn't really, I I think maybe Sunday was the first game that he did maybe underperform. And I think even then he flashed, you know, there were some nice throws he made in that game. The weird thing is, though, for all I would talk the Saints down, I think actually they match up pretty well against the Bills. And it, it's something you just said, Aldrin, about the Bills can't stop the run and the Saints can't stop the run either. But ultimately, the Bills can't run the ball. I mean, when you think about the Buffalo Bills running the ball, it's typically Josh Allen scrambling that's the first thing that comes to mind. I think the Saints, even, you know, if you imagine a Kamaraless attack, are just better set up to run the ball. That said, just a quick point on the Bills, and it's only a quick one. Um, maybe this is in a way, just maybe just typical of the type of NFL season we're having and what we've just described in our recap of last week. Um, With Kyler Murray due to come back after the bye, a lot of the chatter amongst Cardinals fans online in the the various groups I'm a part of is whether Kyler can come back and win MVP this year. was a chat I was seeing today on social media. And currently ahead of him in the odds um, is Josh Allen, now, I can appreciate Lamar Jackson might be ahead of him and and I can appreciate that, you know, Tom Brady is probably part of the conversation. He looks, you know, like if, if as we, you know, if we believe what he says and he believes that the Bucks' best football is ahead of them this season, maybe he does force himself into that conversation. But if Josh Allen was to win MVP this year, I'm with you, JB. I think that's a Josh Allen who's 75% of the Josh Allen we saw last year. Um, and it would be maybe typical of, you know, the type of season we're having or indicative maybe of the type of season that we're having. Whereas, you know, there are some high ceilings, but some very low floors for pretty much every player and every team.
3: Do you not think with the Saints that maybe it's just the the whole um Taysom Hill experience has, has run its course a little bit, you know, it's maybe a, an interesting kind of Swiss army knife kind of thing for them to have when they had a arguable hall of fame quarterback under center but now they're you know they're struggling for their next who their next quarterback's going to be you know and Winston was arguably putting up a a good case for it until he got his injury but I think it speaks volumes to Taysom Hill that before the season we you know there were some corners calling for him to be the starter and bets were made that he would be the starter by a certain point in the season but it you know it speaks volumes that <laughs> They've got their third string in Travis Simeon, who has never really shown anything, rather than giving the ball to Taysom Hill. Now, maybe that is down to, to his his kind of recent injury problems. I don't know. But, Equally, um, though,
1: they've doubled down on him. They've just given him a new four-year contract. So it's not true. like they think yeah. that experiment's over. Do you know what I mean? I, I know they didn't play him at the weekend, but they've they've kind of gone all in again and given him a new contract.
2: I yeah, mean, that's, that was point. exactly what I was going to say, For I mean, I would be with you if we weren't mm. a few hours away from them, just giving him a new four-year deal. yeah. It, it, the, the only other thing, and it's only a quick... You said arguably a Hall of Fame quarterback. Drew Brees is... There's no argument there. <laughs> he well, yeah. is a first ballot Hall of Famer and an absolute bona fide legend of the game. But but yeah, it is an odd one, isn't it? I, there is I something that doesn't make sense, I think, for me looking outside in with the Saints, and it sounds like there is for all of you. And the Taysom Hill point... Yeah, I just it's odd, isn't it, to play a third stringer over your second stringer. If he's if he's, you know, healthy enough to play wide receiver, why can't you have him under center? Um, yeah, I can't figure it out either.
3: With the um with the Bills as well, it's they've been very up and down this season, haven't they? And it's it's a strange one, you know. They're only that they got smashed by a Colts team who are only, what, three weeks removed from Trying to lose as much, you know, trying to throw the game as much as possible against the Titans, you know, with um, Wentz throwing the pick six from his own end zone and all that kind of stuff, and the Colts looked horrible and out of it. And then they've gone on a win streak, and now, you know, we had the was it last week? We had the conversation about them potentially topping the division, and we all laughed it off. Well, if the Titans are going to go and lose to the Texans like they did there, who who knows what can happen? And, and
1: obviously five wins out of six, got... thank you, Phil. Five wins. Yeah. Out of six.
3: <laughs> and obviously, the Colts have got a tough game coming up, but you know, who knows where that that leaves the, the bills are as much as any team right now you don't know how good they are i think we're basing when we think of the bills we're basing on how they performed last year um as being one of those those kind of top two teams in the conference but actually it's it's so up and down they're so inconsistent and i think part of that is down to the run game and uh, they've got one zach moss and, and devon singletree and neither of them are really pulling up trees are they so um yeah for me i, I think I, we've all gone for the Bills in this one, I think, haven't we? I'm not sure, but um, it's, yeah, I don't think the Saints have shown enough to to kind of challenge the Bills here and I think the Bills are going to bounce back.
2: So with that, um, I, th- I think Phil's kind of given the game away slightly, but Aldrin, you know that the next question I'm going to ask you is who and also why for which team are going into club dub, please?
1: I'm really tempted to do a fill and say, after all that, I've picked the New Orleans Saints. But no, I, I do think even a 75% performance from Josh Allen is better than whatever the Saints can throw at them. So, yeah, I, I do put the Bills into Club Dub this week.
2: club A very nice for them. And do you know what? The weird thing I was thinking there, where you were all talking about the bills is even with as up and down as they are, would they still be my Super Bowl favorite from the AFC? And do you know what? They're probably as good as anyone else, aren't they? I mean, I think the Colts are making an argument, the Patriots, the chiefs, you know, have, have turned it around the last couple of weeks. The charges even this
3: weekend. Derek Henry is going to be back in early January. That's oh really? The talk now that he's, he's ahead of scale, so I think if you know you, you give Derrick Henry a two or three month rest or whatever, two month rest mm. um, coming into the playoffs, you know I think he'll be a different animal than, than maybe if he was the last couple of seasons.
1: Still got to make it to the playoffs, Phil. After they get bulldozed by the Colts on their way past them,
2: but but I think that's I think you both make the right point. If you can get in the playoffs, who knows? Particularly the I think the NFC is slightly stronger, but but who knows? Um, so yeah, the Bills first in club dub, and that means. Stronger. It's what?
3: The NFC is massively stronger.
2: I wouldn't have said massively, but I am with you. I mean, Aldrin at the moment on our video chat is shaking his head as a Colts fan. I don't know, JB is a Steelers fan? No, he's, he's looking quite passive at that comment. I, I do think the NFC is a slightly stronger conference this year. I week. think
3: there are probably four or five teams that you can pick out from the NFC and put in the AFC and then comfortably win that conference. It's my bold claim.
2: Mm, I'm not against it, actually. I'm almost tempted to say name them. Um, Bucks. But yeah. Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals. Rams. Yeah, those Those are probably the four. And I mean, that's before you're even mentioning the pack. Yeah, all right. Packers, yeah, I yeah. think I'm with you. I, I don't think we've got an absolutely universal agreement on the NFC superpowers, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think it is the stronger. Um, but. With the Bills in, let's move on to our second game. And that means, JB, I'm flying over to you. What have you picked out as your tie of the week?
0: Well, it's a nice segue as we were just talking about the NFC because we're going to talk about the NFC and we are going to talk about the Battle of Washington-ish as uh, Washington State's Seattle Seahawks travel to the Washington football team. Um, and this is, and I kind of... I, previewed a little bit of what i want to talk about here and when we were talking about aldrin's pick because this to me is a game that again is all about identity and primarily who are the seattle seahawks because i don't think anybody knows we're coming off a game a a game at the weekend where pete carroll is saying "Yeah, we seem it seems to be a mystery to us to how to score points when pete carroll doesn't have the faith in his own players and in is pretty much openly coming out and admitting it you absolutely know that you've got problems in that organization you've got none of the creativity that you see from Rus- Russell Wilson at all and yes he's absolutely like wolverined himself back to to full strength to be able to come out and play but you're not seeing any kind of sparks of creativity. They're not getting anything out of DK Metcalf aside from the joke of getting thrown out and trying to come back in again. And the defense kind of looks weak. Like there, there are points There have been points this season where the only Seahawk that you'd really talk about is Michael Dixon, their punter, because that lad has got a foot like a traction engine. And when that's kind of what you're talking about, you know, it's not a good season for a team that I think by now, everybody expects to be contenders, if not for the playoffs, at least to go deep in the playoffs.
1: Some would but, say the worst, worst team in their division.
0: Some, some would say that. Some, some people might have uh, made some uh, bread-based betting on that. Um, but for the, for the football team, they kind of started out I think not knowing who they were. I think Taylor Heineke has taken a bit of time to kind of grow into that role. I think the discussion of Ryan Fitzpatrick coming back and him potentially feeling like, well, I've only got this job for a certain number of weeks before I have to give it up to somebody else probably didn't help kind of injuries as they've gone along. I think losing Chase Young is a big loss for them, but kind of last week and through flashes leading up to it, we've seen the kind of team that I think Ron Rivera is going to get the Washington football team to be. And that is kind of a a bit of a smash you in the face kind of team. They're not going to be pretty. They're not going to score an amazing amount of points. They're not going to be somebody like the Rams or the chiefs of old. They're just going to be, look, we're just going to absolutely grind it down and grind it down. And we're going to make mistakes. We saw that with the, the fumbles and the interceptions and everything like that that we've seen. But ultimately, they're like, it doesn't matter because the next series, we'll come back out and we're just going to go again and we're going to go again and we're going to go again until eventually we beat you by attrition because we just won't stop. And that's a good description for how the Seahawks used to be. It used to be that kind of just we're just going to run at you and run at you and run at you until you can't take it anymore. And the Seahawks have lost that. And maybe the football team have found that attitude.
2: Football team don't know when they're beaten, do they? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I I don't think Heinicke is, is supremely good. I think he's probably in the bottom six or seven NFL starters. Not right now. I appreciate there's a lot of backups and so on in at the moment. But if you, if you imagine every quarterback in the league is healthy, I think he's in the bottom third. But kind of every ball he throws, he kind of completely forgets the last. You know, he's the kind of guy who can throw a pick and then comes out guns blazing and you know, slightly better quarterbacks, you know, the Brett Favre's of this world, people with slightly more arm talent than Heineke, you know, made Hall of Fame careers out of that type of attitude and mindset. But yeah, I love watching the Washington football team because they just don't know when they're beaten. But this is, I mean, we're going to talk, uh, you know, about the hot topic later on and about coaches. But I mean, you just said it, JB, Pete Carroll is one of the best of the best, you know, a guy who was, you know, once upon a time, they doubted he could do it at NFL level. And then he takes the Seahawks to two back-to-back Super Bowls, winning one of them. You know, this is a guy who understands the mechanics of football. And you would expect with what he has to work with, they should be better. Um, I would say at the moment on current form, they're what? They're probably a New York Jets. You know, they're, they're at that kind of level for me, that if you were to imagine a whole season of performance at this level, they might scrape to one or two wins an odd that there has been no real pickup in performance since um, Russell Wilson came back in. You know, I I don't think you can say there's been any real positive sign at all. You wonder if he is fully fit. There are serious issues there. And um, yeah, you wonder if Seattle might be thinking of completely blowing this up and starting again.
1: I think for me, sorry, Phil, I know you were just about to jump in. I, I think for me, and I said it, right back at the start of the season when Phil and I made that bet um, about the Seahawks being the worst team in their division. But I think the problem with the Seahawks is, is that the same old problems persisted from last year. You know, nothing changed. They didn't improve the pass protection. They didn't add more to the running game. They didn't improve on defense. And that was kind of my thinking when I came into the season. I saw teams around them improving, making moves to make their teams better. And I didn't see that from the Seahawks. And ultimately, I think they're reaping what they sowed in that regard. You know, Russell Wilson is still, I know he's come back from an injury and he's made that Herculean effort to get back fit again. And whether or not he's fully fit, I don't know. But I still see the same challenges. You know, I still see him running for his life, trying to make everything happen. I see DK Metcalf becoming easier and easier to cover. And that's leading to his frustrations boiling over. You know, I think ultimately, again, the same, the same knocks on his abilities as a receiver from college persist, you know, he's a limited route runner. Ultimately he's got an incredible set of physical attributes that make him brilliant at that, you know, straight line speed and ability to go up and get the ball but that does make it easier to cover with when you've got better corners and people are shutting him out of games. And he's, you know, he's going into those games boiling over and getting frustrated. So I do think the Seahawks are exactly where I expected them to be. Washington, I'm pleasantly surprised. Like you guys said, they don't know when they're beaten and Heineke, despite being a bang average quarterback, like you said, just throws himself headfirst into every play and, gives them a chance to win and I think if they get some of their, their players back um, fit I'm trying to think of the receiver that they've basically missed all year um, his name escapes me but you know they've got a few key, like key wide receivers that they could get back and I just think McLaurin is such a stud that guy is an absolutely top tier receiver in an absolutely terrible offensive scheme really and you know despite um, them not knowing when to quit. But yeah, I think it's a real, it's a tough matchup because that Washington defense is unforgiving. I know we, even without Chase Young, they are still a, a real menace to offensive fronts. So it, it's going to be another long game for Russell Wilson, I reckon.
3: For me, I don't, I don't rate Washington as highly as you guys do. I don't think, um, you know, this week they beat a Panthers team that, I don't think a are really um a really that good. Like, you know, they had Cam Newton at quarterback and it was all almost, you know, you could have easily seen the Panthers winning that game. So I, you know, I don't think you can really point to them being a, a brilliant team based on that. The week before they beat a, an awful Buccaneers team like who played nothing like they have, you know, they were the, the the yucks of old rather than playing recently. Week before that they were on bye and the week before that they lost to the Broncos. So for me, they're, you know, they're the opposite of the Bills, if the Bills are a good team that are inconsistent and, and you know, lose odd, the odd game that we don't expect them to, I almost think Washington are a team that um, are not that good and, and win the odd game that, that maybe you don't expect them to. I think they're almost at the other end of the spectrum. I, I agree with you about some of their talent. I think they've been hindered by Gibson being injured. Um, and not a full strength for a lot of the season. I think
1: it's Samuel that I could think of. Yes, yeah,
3: Samuel's obviously not played. I think they've been hindered by the quarterback situation. Heineke seems to, you know, be a, a QB1 when he plays the Buccaneers and, and you know, a QB2 any other time, that any other team that he plays. Um, I've not, you know, I, I've not been massively impressed with him in relief of, of Fitzpatrick. And I half expected them to go for Newton when he became available, but there we go. Um, so yeah, for me, I, I, I think it's you know I've gone. I, I'm plumping for the Seahawks in this one because I think, I don't think the Seahawks are going to continue to lose and lose and lose and lose. I think they're still they have still have enough good playmakers to make it happen. You know, mm. Russell Wilson needs to channel Mister Unlimited rather than you know Mister Oh struggling with an injury. Um, L- less catchy. what like he like did there. Though, I was going to say that just
1: rolls off the tongue. <laughs> I know.
3: I think, yeah, they just need to, to get their playmakers back playing. You know, DK Metcalf needs to get back in the game. Wilson needs to, to, to kind of get himself together. I agree with you that they've not fixed their problems. The offensive line, you know, he's still having to run for his life and, and you're never going to be successful when that's the case. Um, and much like other teams, you know, like we mentioned for the Bills, they have no running game, really. You know, they've not got a solid... I think they've, they've suffered ever since they lost Marshawn Lynch, really. Um, and they've not really replaced you know that was was part of what their threat was built on they had beast mode at running back they had an amazing defense and and maybe you know the defense carried on for a few years but they've not replaced that running threat really and I think that puts more pressure on the passing game and it's it's easier to defend against so um yeah I, I don't think this is going to be a classic it might be a high scoring shootout but I don't think it's going to be by any means a one for the football purists but yeah Seahawks for me
2: See, I, I think there's a lot of good stuff you guys have pulled out there. I think your your point about um Marshawn Lynch, Phil, is is kind of to Aldrin's point. I think they have lost star players. And I mean look, you can't really replace Lynch very easily, just like the Titans can't replace Henry easily. You know, you have these these superstar players and when they move on, you have to adapt. And it almost feels like the Seahawks haven't. They they're still playing football as if they've got superstar players at corner, you know, and superstar players at running back and and actually all they've got is a quarterback doing his best in a really bad situation. But anyway, JB, you have picked a game full of intrigue and interest. You now need to tell us who's going into club dub.
0: Um, After weeks and weeks of the calls to let Russ cook, I think it is maybe time for someone to have a new recipe book in Seattle because I am picking the Washington football team to leave Monday Night Football with the win.
2: Yeah, with you, Phil, I cannot see the Seahawks doing it. Um, but you know what, I, I
1: went for the Seahawks, but... You did go. you?
2: I, I yeah. just can't see the Seahawks doing it. I mean, the one thing I will say, though, well, we, t- we keep talking about the bet that, that you and Phil have, James. I mean, Aldrin, as much as we thought they might be the worst team in that division, I don't think any of us saw them being this bad. I mean, like, can't put a drive together bad. I mean, I I think we saw them as maybe the worst of a good bunch, but blimey, this season has hit them hard, hasn't it? So anyway, two games down, two to go. And PB, I'm throwing over to you, sir, for your game of the week. My game of the week, to add a layer of intrigue, is the first
3: time we'll be speaking about um, a game that two of us support either team so I'm going to go for the Bucks my Bucks versus Aldrin's Colts this week and uh, it's an interesting one because the Colts have obviously been on a bit of a run um, from looking like a team that's going to miss the playoffs to so now be really sorry six straight is that Aldrin you, you hold your fingers up like about
1: six that. but yeah I mean we did smash the Bucks
3: five out of six we're about to (laughs) so um you know as a team that that looked like they were going to miss the playoffs are now well in there for contention and, and potentially even win that division as we kind of touched on last week and then you've got the Bucks who didn't win a game for three weeks which is you know unusual for them over the last two seasons albeit they had the bye week you know they had two rough losses against the Saints first um and then the Washington football team afterwards so I'm a little bit tired today after staying up last night for the Glorious return to form and win over the, the New York football giants. That's led to Jason Garrett's firing in New York. Um, but for me, this is a, a real contrast of styles, this game. If you look at the, the, the team defense, Bucks are fourth in yards allowed. So they've, they've allowed the fourth least yards um, so far this season. Colts in 19th albeit Colts have played a game more because they haven't had their bye yet. Um, but I think the, the real twist for this one is when you look at passing and rushing yards. So the Buccaneers have allowed the 17th or are 17th in passing yards. So their bottom half of the league in terms of passing yards allowed Colts are 7th. If you flip that round to rush yards, Bucs are 1st. So they've allowed the fewest rushing yards um, this season. The Colts are 20th. So the Colts have got a strong pass D and a not great rush D and the, the Bucs have got a strong... Rush D and not a not a great passing D. So then, when you flip that on its on its head in terms of looking at the two offenses, the Bucks are probably strongest in the pass when the Colts have got the better pass D, and obviously Jonathan Taylor makes the Colts tick <laughs> when the Bucks have got the you know the the best run D in the league. So it's it's a real contrasting uh, contrasting game of styles, and I think it's it's going to make a real interesting chess match um, to see what happens. You know, can the all just making me laugh i apologize
1: you might also <laughs> keep it light phil
2: <sighs>
3: right composure. um yeah so for me it's it's whether the the cults passed the <laughs> i'm
1: just laughing isn't going to say it again <laughs> <laughs>
3: For me, it's whether the Colts passing defense can stop the Bucks pass, or whether the Bucks rushing defense can stop the well can stop Jonathan Taylor. Basically, that's going to be the real key to the game. Um, I think the Bucks are, are improved with getting some of the some of their guys back healthy. You know, we saw Sean Murphy Bunting um, come back in a game against the Giants at cornerback. Um, Bucko Bruce said he was going to. Um, ease him in gently, and then he played 57 out of 58 defensive snaps and led the team in uh, in tackles. So, um, you know, <laughs> a bit of a, a rebaptism of fire. But I think you know it, we've been really banged up um, in our secondary, and I think you know this is going to make a massive difference. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game. I think it'll be a good one for the neutral, um, and who knows? It could go either way.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna weigh in early just because. I'm a Colts fan, so I thought I'll I'll get it in now. Um, I I know I'm a Colts fan, so I'm a little bit biased in that regard. But the Colts have been playing well the last few weeks, and admittedly, not great opposition. You know, I think we've had the Jets and the Texans and the Jags in that run, but equally, I, I do think we're much improved. We've scored over 30 points in the last five, six games. And Jonathan Taylor is just an absolute force. You know, with our line now being pretty much fully healthy, the guy is getting running lanes and he is one of the best at taking advantage of them. Um, equally, I do think that the standard of competition we faced hasn't been as as challenging as what we're going to face with the Bucks. And that does concern me. Is our our ability to stop Tom Brady is going to be really tested, and and that does worry me. You know, we're we're pretty good across the middle of the field. You know, with um with Leonard, and he leads that defense really well. But our cornerbacks can get exposed at times, and that would be my that would be my big worry. But I do think it'd be a really close matchup because you know we're coming in with almost a blowout win against the Bills and we'll come in full of confidence. And the Bucks, maybe it carries on their shoulders a little bit that they've been very up and down. Um, and maybe we're just in a good spot to, to keep our run going. But I think it'll be a really close game. I, um,
0: I don't know how I feel about this one because it's, it's interesting. And I think it will go a long way to show what kind of shape teams are going to be in at the end of the season? I think the bucks have looked shaky the last couple of weeks um, at, at times sometimes in in for game long stretches, other times just in 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 spots in an individual game, whereas the Colts have looked better and much more consistent and more powerful kind of as they've gone on. They've kind of got that old um uh joe riggins kind of thing about them they just get stronger as the season goes on and yeah aldrin's kind of pointed out yes they've had what would be considered by some as like gimme games yeah the jags yeah you've got the texans when they're not doing that well etc but one of the things we keep talking about every week it feels like now is well you never really can tell who's going to beat who so there is an element of going into games that as a Colts fan, you would probably expect the Colts to win and coming out of it with a win. Like you can only beat the people that are put in front of you. And the Colts are doing that and you want to see them as you're a Colts fan, you want to see them continue that momentum forward and really show what they're capable of. I think sort of saddling up Jonathan Taylor is absolutely the reason why I think that guy is absolutely out of this world at the moment. And they just need to continue to do that. I think it's a little bit of that Tennessee Titans philosophy, ride Derrick Henry and wait and see what happens there. So you've got to hope that this run for the Colts doesn't get impacted by the same kinds of things there. Um, but I think it's, I think it will be good. The Bucks just kind of need to be a bit more consistent, really. They're like much was made sort of in the off season of how many starters, how many players they're bringing back. And for at the start of it, it kind of like oh yeah, this kind of looks like they've just picked up from where they left off before, and it hasn't maintained that. But no teams really maintain that for the entire season, so it, it's not maybe necessarily a Bucs problem; it's a league-wide problem. Just that like there's some voodoo going on or something like that. What the Bucks need to do today, uh, not today, what the Bucks need to do this week, is just stabilize that and just go back to that big bombastic Tom Brady-led offensive performance and let the defense just do the talking with their actions rather than anything else. Um, It's good. I I would probably say this has got, this has got the makings of the best game of the week on it.
2: Yeah. I, I haven't got a huge amount to add. I think you've kind of nailed that JB. I think the most interesting thing about this particular tie this week, and you kind of touched on it, Phil, is I think this could come down to coaching. You know, it's about who's going to game plan best for the opposition. And for everything you've described, PB, about those kind of differing defences and offences and how those puzzle pieces might fit together. I can't see either team being held back. You know, I can imagine both teams putting good amounts of points on the board. So I think, yeah, who's able to adapt and make those changes? Who's able to, you know, change it up mid game and also a bit like that that Bucks-Washington game you referred to, turnovers could be critical. You know, you imagine, you know, one of these teams winning the turnover battle, that might be all it takes to take one over the line. Um, it's a tough one, I, I think. I think it is, as you've all described, probably the better team at the moment, in my mind, is still the Bucks. I think the team who feel more on a roll, more, you know, the team with that momentum seems to be Indianapolis, but... Um, but yeah, looking for, I mean, genuinely could be the game of the week. Um, you know, I wouldn't doubt it at all. But um, let's go back, PB. You've got to put one of these teams in club dub. And as you've picked a team you follow, I'm i am waiting to see if there's a shock on the cards here. Who are you uh, plumping for? Yeah,
3: you know, I think for me, I, I agree with what you say, actually. I think the Bucks have probably got the more talented team. Um, I think the Bucks have got the better quarterback, but I'd say you're right that the Colts are in a more consistent run of form at the moment. Um, I guess we'll see how... Jonathan Taylor stacks up when he's got Ndamukong and Sue and Vita Veya landing on him. Um, and that's going to be interesting to see. I, I, I guess it just depends, you know, the, how many guys the Bucks get back healthy. I think having Gronk back this week made a massive difference as well. You know, we mentioned Sean Murphy bunting, but Gronk being there is just a, a dependable... Um, safe pair of hands for, for Brady to dump the ball off into really worked out well our running game got going a bit more as well you know Rojo got a touchdown, it's his first touchdown of the season since the, the Patriots game all those weeks ago so um, I could, I genuinely could see this go either way um, but obviously I've got to go with uh, with my heart over my head and pick uh, the, the Colts, to, good work yeah, Col- Colts <laughs> I'm going to put the nice. Buccaneers in, uh, in Club Dub this week <laughs>
2: And also, Phil, I've got to give you credit—you've been flying this week. But when describing Sean Murphy Bunting as having a rebaptism of fire, I'm having that. I've never heard that phrase before. It, it, it's under you—a rebaptism of fire absolutely I I has to be a thing. Of
3: fire, didn't I? I didn't mean it. A rebapt. I don't think I said a rebaptism. Right? You,
2: you did. And we're having it. I mean, it's going to be an award at the end of the year. When, when every other NFL media outlet has their comeback player of the year, we're going to have the rebaptism of fire award. It's going up I'm there with
3: Ian it. Dowie's bounce back ability.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Yeah, it's right up there. So three down, one to go. And to listeners of this podcast, I think I'm going to do something that arguably this podcast should have done and I'm, I'm not blaming any of you here, I think as a collective, should have done a while ago, we need to start giving some serious credit to the New England Patriots.
3: Did because, I not do
2: that literally two, three weeks ago? Well, I think we've kind of, but but I think we've, uh, at what point have we stopped everything and gone, look, these guys are legit. And and I think maybe now's the moment. Um Let me talk about my game of the week, then, which is, of course, the New England Patriots squaring off against the Tennessee Titans. Now, on the one hand, you could say, well, one of the things you could look at to pick a winner in this game is the faltering form of the Titans in recent weeks. That without Derrick Henry, they were able to plug in Adrian Peterson and do some pretty interesting things. But it feels like that impetus and that reliance, really, that they had on the run game um as kind of eroded really um they put an awful lot on the shoulders of ryan Tannehill um last week and with you know teams maybe predicting more pass than run with setups that weren't particularly favorable for Tannehill, we saw him turn the ball over and have the kind of problems he'd had we say historically to be fair to you, i'm going back a couple of years probably to his time in miami but but anyway let's come back to the patriots Even if I believed that the Titans were the Titans of a couple of weeks ago, um, a team that were at that point on the longest winning streak in the NFL, a team that seemed to find different ways to win, have a real swagger about them, even then, the Patriots would need to be discussed as a serious challenge to a buoyant Tennessee team. Because what the Patriots have managed to do, not only without Cam Newton, but obviously Gilmore moving on, What they've been able to do is rediscover that identity they have on both sides of the ball. Now, on the one hand, the defense is pretty easy to talk about. Bill Belichick makes defenses and game plans against offenses in a way that we have probably never seen from any other coordinator or head coach, really, in NFL history. Within those game plans, he also finds brilliant way to build pressure on quarterbacks. That pressure undoubtedly leads to them being able to generate an awful lot of turnovers. But, I mean, that is historically what Belichick can do. Let's put that to one side just for a minute. What they've been able to do with Mac Jones is pretty remarkable in truth. I mean, if you look at Mac Jones, I don't think he is great. I certainly don't think he is elite But this season, has he not matched? Is it Ben Roethlisberger and Dak Prescott he's matched for the most road wins in a rookie season? And that is because all of the things that I think not only we, earlier in the season or before the start of the season, questioned and and other NFL outlets as well, they've been able to make certain things work in a way that only the Patriots could. A passing game that's built around tight ends rather than wide receivers. A running game where you not only feel that there's an element of committee about it, But other than the fact they have talented running backs, I think you could pretty much plug anybody in there because it's an offense built on discipline. It's an offense built on absolutely creating those gaps and winning those battles at the lines to put pressure on your opponent, whether they're on offense and defense. And do you know what? I'm going to say this out loud. Tell me a team in the AFC who have genuinely got a better chance of making the Super Bowl than the New England Patriots. I mean, there's a few you could argue, but they have to be up there. I mean, they are on a great winning run, have been brilliant both at home and on the road. They have this formula that because it's built around different things, because it's built on tight ends, is so difficult, you know, to to mitigate for and to play against as a defense. You know, when you've got great tight ends and as a Cardinals fan, we've we've struggled against the 49ers and Kittle for, for years. The thing about great tight ends is you need somebody with the size of a linebacker, but with the speed of a cornerback to keep them in check. And do you know what? It is incredibly impressive. And wouldn't it be kind of fitting and almost, you know, a romantic storyline if, if post the breakup of the Brady Belichick era, you know, in the two seasons that follow, they both have their moment in the sun, you know, Brady's last season and maybe Belichick's this, they are such a difficult team to play against. And I think even without the Texans, you know, beating the Titans at the weekend, you would have to argue that the Patriots go in as favourites for me. Um, I'll go you I one better than, than your uh,
3: proposed three. There, imagine a Super Bowl this year of the Patriots versus the Bucks, Belichick versus Brady. The stories right themselves. The stories right themselves.
2: For the stories write themselves. I, I love the fact that these seem to be very Buccaneer heavy, but you know what? I'll give you that. I mean, it it would be remarkable, and I think even if, you know, the Patriots don't go that far in the playoffs, I think the turnaround we have seen during the season really does cement Belichick as, as one of the greatest of all time when it comes to NFL coaches. And do you know what all of those decisions getting rid of Cam Newton, I wasn't necessarily against having Matt Jones as the starter. I was, you know, all of those decisions, I second guessed, I take it all back. They are rolling. They are so difficult to play against. And I think, with all the ups and downs we're seeing even if they were to drop a few games I, I think they're playoff bound now without a doubt so
0: i find myself in a very awkward position here because there is an answer to your question as to if you if it's not the patriots which afc team at the moment would you see in the super bowl but i don't want either of those teams in the super bowl so i feel quite conflicted in all of this um i haven't really got a lot of analysis or anything for this um because i kind of think there's there's some great points that you've made in all of here i'm just sort of just maybe in a position of it was a really good season that we had of of the patriots not being good enough to get into the playoffs and we really should have appreciated last year more than we did because sharks gotta swim bats gotta fly patriots are going to be in the uh, playoffs until we die
3: I kind of do you not. I wouldn't say root for the Patriots now, but do you not feel a little bit like the the hated Patriots are gone, and this is a bit of a new, newer, younger team that you know maybe no. aren't? No, <laughs> no, I suppose yeah. Matt, going, you know, putting Brent Burns in the uh, in the ankle lock is probably uh, yeah, probably not, yeah, not really helped their case, is it? It 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 is hard to borrow to
0: borrow an analogy that we use a lot. It is hard to uh you know not to root for the uh, multimillionaire, mega successful Patriots to to bounce back and and be the underdogs and, and do it all over again.
1: <laughs> I mean, for me, I just think the Titans are exactly what I thought they would be without Derrick Henry, and that's bang average. Um I think if you put the game on Tannehill's shoulders, he's not got it. And I think particularly at the minute there, I mean, they are struggling with injury because they've got Julio Jones injured. Who would have thought that after his last three years on the injury list? Um, but so he's out injured. I think AJ Brown came out of the game against the Texans with, I think multiple injuries. He had a hand injury and a chest injury, but um might see him questionable for the game. And certainly without him, I don't think they have anything going, you know, there's no real offense without AJ Brown or Derek Henry in that team. Um, on the other side of it. Yeah. I mean, I think the Patriots are, are doing what historically the Patriots have done well, and that's um, kind of taken the next man up policy. Um and I think that that just runs throughout the team, you know, like you said, Rob, the running backs, you could plug anybody in there. Um, and they would work effectively and they would score points. You know, I think they, they had that the other week, didn't they? When, um, uh, Damien Harris was out injured and then Ramondre Stevenson went off for like 150 yards and multiple touchdowns. So, you know, it's, it's not like it's, um, it's contingent on one particular player. Um, Mac Jones, I'm with you. I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's a a top tier quarterback, but equally he's looking like the best out of that class from this year of, you know, what we were told was superstar quarterbacks in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, arguably as two of the better quarterbacks coming out of college for a long time. (coughs) Um, But he's playing efficient football. You know, he's not splashy. He's not, he's everything we saw at his pro day you know, the deep balls aren't going to be great, but the short game is going to be efficient. It's going to be effective and it's going to be almost turnover free. And, you know, that's kind of what he's been as advertised, I guess, but they just keep rolling on. And I think it's it's difficult to see how you stop them. You know, you you said, Rob, you know, they lost Gilmore, but arguably JC Jackson's, looking a, a better cornerback. You know, I think he looks like a better player and has kind of taken on that mantle. And again, just throughout that team, it's next man up. Whoever's there steps up and is better than the last man. So they're they're tough to like, but they're tough to bet against as well. They're
3: just a team I think they've all historically in their competitive seasons, they've always had stars, haven't they? You know, not across the board, but but in, in some aspects, you I think of Gilmore. Well, they had Tom
1: Michael. Brady for 20 years. I think that well, was exactly enough, was Brady, it?
3: Gronk, uh, Randy Moss for a while. Um, you know, there, there was always at least one star. And I don't think they really have that now. I think it's it's a much younger team, but I think they're all, if not bit part players is a bit harsh, but they're all not megastars, but they're all bought into it. And I think I saw... um. Was it after Thursday night's victory, the the press conference? I can't remember who it was now going up to, to the podium. And then one of the other guys is off to the side, you know, dancing and having a bit of a laugh. And it's like, this is a totally different Patriots to the kind of stiff, boring... You know Patriots that are very controlled that that we've we've seen over the past kind of 10 or 15 years. So it certainly seems like is a, a different attitude around them now. We haven't really talked that much about the Titans. I think the Titans are, you know, look like the solid number one seed in the in the AFC um and then get beat by the Texans. So you know, is that a freak result or are they going to go on a bit of a, a losing run now? I can't imagine Mike Vrabel's going to um, going to kind of let that lie and, and and not give them a kick up the arse so part of me you know is expecting the, the Titans to come out swinging here and, and actually maybe pull off a, what what some of you seem to think might be a bit of an upset
2: I think it would be an upset if they were to beat the Patriots at the moment I, I mean I just think that the Patriots have everything they need to take the run away from the Titans hard to do if Derek Henry's playing easier if he's not But if they can take the runaway, you feel like that defense will turn over the ball. You know, you feel like that defense getting after Ryan Tannehill will turn over the ball. I think it'll be close. I think we're talking about two good teams. But I do think the Patriots are the kind of team who can beat good teams, even when those opponents are having a good day, I mean, I think the Patriots are great. And also, let's just make the point: we talked earlier about Carroll at the Seahawks not being able to find that formula again with a, a second class or or generational iteration of that Seahawks team. And look at what Belichick does. I mean, I, I do think it's it's absolutely. Just just brilliant the way he organises those teams and coaches those teams and game plans. But um, but yeah, the, the Patriots definitely deserve the credit. I think it will be close. But based on, I don't know, maybe a turnover making the difference, maybe a turnover or two being the difference in this game, I'm going to put, I think for the first time this season, for many of us, I'm going to put the New England Patriots in club derb and then there were four just like that our picks for the week are all done which means it's just left for us for now to go around the room and talk about this week's hot topic so here are our parameters um based on the fact we've just been talking about two and i I'll include Pete Carroll in this, I think, Hall of Fame head coaches. Let's now move our thoughts to maybe those who are in slightly more precarious positions. So here's the format. We're going to remove first-year coaches from the discussion, as I think that's probably a little too easy and straightforward. But I want to know around the room who you think is under most pressure as a head coach and could be kissing goodbye to their job at the end of the season. We'll stick with the same running order. So, Aldrin, as part of our hot topic, who's the head coach on the hot seat for you and why?
1: Well, I I am denied about it because I do think there's a few, but the team that I settled on and the coach particularly is one that I mentioned, I think it was last week or the week before, and that's Flores in Miami. And I just think that team is just so underperforming. They, they've they not found their identity again. I think the defense hasn't been anywhere near what um, it was last year. I think the quarter, the quarterback situation is murky at best and, an absolute quagmire at worst. I I just don't think they really know where they're at or where they're going to be at in the next year, and I think that's created a lot of unrest. And I just don't think he's handled the players as well as he he was before. I think there's been a lot more dissent this year. You know, I, I know I mentioned Xavier Howard obviously kicked and screamed in the off season for his for his new contract, and then's come out and really underperformed and hasn't really shown that he was worthy of that contract to date. And, you know, just not just the quarterback situation in the conventional sense of, are they going for Watson? Are they not? Is two of the guy, is he not? But even players like Jacoby Brissett, who I think you've mentioned before, Rob, you know, was, has always been mentioned as a great locker room guy. And I don't know at times this year, he's come in and out of games. He's been, you know, kicking and screaming on the sidelines, and he's clearly not happy. And I don't. Tour looks uncomfortable, and interviews aren't great. So yeah, I I don't know. I feel like there's so much talent there, and it it feels like it's been wasted this year almost. And I don't know that Flores has done much to to right the ship. Admittedly, I think he's a great coach, and you know, I think we were all singing his praises last year, but it just seems to have gone downhill quite rapidly. And he doesn't seem to have been doing much to turn it around.
2: Yeah. My only addition is I think you've picked a super thing about his seemingly his man management, you know, before Flores, to be fair, the Dolphins were equally messy. There was a lot of different personalities. There was a lot of problems with how those players were interacting with the head coach. And then Flores seemed to almost have like a no nonsense kind of attitude towards it all that players seem to have bought into and this season it just doesn't doesn't feel like that at all does it it feels like the dolphins of old i wonder if you'll get another year with whoever they're going to bring in at quarterback um but yeah to be to even have him amongst the names in this conversation speaks a lot about where the dolphins are and and where flores is seemingly taking them to um for me
3: i disagree on flores a little bit because I, I kind of almost think that the Dolphins might be getting it together a little bit. Um, you know, they had a, a decent win at the weekend, albeit only over the Jets. Um, they won. They beat the Ravens on Thursday night football the week before. You know, they've got a game against the Panthers. I think it's probably a must-win game for them against the Panthers this weekend. Um, I, I don't know. I think, I think Flores did a really good job last year. I think they had a rough start to this year um god knows what's going on with their quarterback situation and whether that's down to him or the gm you know is is all arguable i i don't know i think he might get another another year out of it i don't think flores is
0: to blame for the problems but i also don't think maybe he's doing enough to to kind of mitigate for them we have seen head coaches do more with less like we've seen him do more with less like you were referencing last season. Um, I do think there is probably more that he can do. And I would like to see him be given at least next season to kind of sort it out because for as much as we're talking about him, the dolphins are still a bit talent deprived. There, There isn't anybody really, they haven't got any of any big, mega star players. I don't think like maybe like I've got Xavier Howard, but even then I don't think he's his play this season has matched maybe the name recognition that he's got. And when you are competing with those top, top tier elite level teams, you need more than what the dolphins currently had. And there's only so much that any head coach can do with
1: it. I don't know though. They, they gave him Will Fuller and Jalen Waddle in the off season. You know, they added plenty of offensive talent. Um and they've arguably got worse on offense. So that that's the only bit for me. Do you know and like no no you, I you would say Tua hasn't had enough receivers? Well, they went out and got two of the best ones they could get, really. You know, arguably Waddle was the best in the the class that they could have got at that point. And Will Fuller is an absolute speed demon. They've got Parker. I don't know. I just feel like they've, okay. they've given him stuff this year and he's and he's got less out of them. That's just so, my point. So, so I, just, I agree with you. Wholeheartedly, I do think he should get another year, but I just feel like if you're looking at coaches that have underperformed with the talent they've been given, I know you say that they haven't got top players, but he's got better players than he had last year and they're playing worse.
2: So I'll just wrap up and say, I kind of agree with all the points. I think he will be given another year, but I think that's got everything to do with last year and nothing to do with this. Um I think that's probably what gives him the rope. So, Flores maybe gets another year in Miami, but God, I'll say this for you said with a good run, they could make the playoffs. You know, it's make or break this weekend with a bad run. Crazier things have happened than him being out of a job. So JB head coach on the hot seat. Who are you going to pitch for?
0: We were talking just in our kind of pre-pod meeting and I made reference to the fact that I love a theme in everything. So that's what I'm doing this week because I believe there is going to be a change in the in Seattle. And I think that Pete Carroll could be coaching his last season there because as, as I referenced when I was talking about my game of the week, the guy came out and kind of appears to have given up. And like we said, if Pete Carroll's given up, if he's lost his enthusiasm, something's gone wrong there. And I would probably even go as far as to say there is a part of me that kind of thinks when the Seahawks line up to take the first snap of regular season football next season, they'll have a new head coach, a new GM, and a new quarterback. I think it's, there is the potential there for a complete overhaul of it. Um, I know there's a lot of Steelers fans that have mocked up uh, Wilson 3 in Steelers colours for next season, which I can't decide if I would like or not, but I probably wouldn't hate it. Um and yeah, I kind of just feel like maybe it's time for a bit of an, an an overhaul in the North Pacific Northwest and see what somebody else can do there.
2: I think you're a hundred percent right on every last bit of that. I think Pete Carroll has more control when you think about the GM side of things, you know, he has more say on personal and that building than almost any other NFL head coach. And, do you know it's horrible because it's a bit like when we talked about Breeze, you know, moving on from the Saints. This is a, a Hall of Fame head coach, somebody who has done something with that franchise that no other head coach has ever done and, and also maintained it. I mean, I was talking about those two consecutive Super Bowls. They're a long time ago, you know, and yet really up until maybe this season, potentially a little bit last season, you know, they've absolutely been in the mix. Um, but I think you're spot on. Yeah, I think Wilson will move on, and I think it may well be Carol's decision but I can see that as well. I I think you kind of got a glimpse of it, didn't you, in the off season
1: when wasn't Russell Wilson like advocating for certain players and certain coaches and he wanted a change of scheme. I I do feel like that the kind of discontent amongst their superstar quarterback kind of built and, and it never really seemed to get resolved. Do you know what I mean? Like Russell Wilson kind of, he didn't go as far as, you know, somebody like Aaron Rodgers and kick up a real stink, but any kind of just knuckled under and got on with it. But I do feel like that kind of bled into the off season. It's not gone away. The same problems remain in that he's not reinvigorated the team. It's not changed system at all, which has ultimately left Russell Wilson a injured and on his back every time he he gets back on the field so yeah I think that's a great shout I mean like you say Rob it's a bit it's a shame because you're looking at what has been one of the the top tier coaches in the game and has really done it all against all of that adversity like you talked about when people questioned whether he could do it at the NFL but I think that's a great shout JB I think you could it could be a wholesale clear out in Seattle
2: uh, I think with I think it has to be. I mean, if you keep Wilson, there is so much work to do. Surely you capitalise on what you get for Wilson and, and kind of start again, but you don't feel – I mean, age kind of comes into this with Carroll as well, I suppose, but um, but what a great of the game he is. I think it's a fair shout, though. So, PB, two down, two to go. Who is your two-year-plus head coach on the hot
3: seat? So – there's a couple of options for me that I'm not going to I'm not going to name both of them just in case one of them's yours but I think Matt Rule could be in Carolina I don't Whoa, you know they, they start, really yeah well they started off 3 and 0 and looked quite good but I don't think they've got anything going since then, you know, they, they kind of dropped like a stone. They got Darnold in and it's not worked out with Darnold. And last year they got Teddy Bridgewater in and it didn't work out with Teddy Bridgewater. And now they've got Cam back. So they're paying they're paying Cam's replacement and his replacement's replacement. And now they're paying Cam to replace him. It's, you know, the whole situation. I know that's not down to him necessarily, but part of it's got to come down to the coaching at some point. They've been unlucky with injuries. You know, they paid all the money to Christian McCaffrey and then he's not been, been fit for, for many games since then. Um I don't know. I just I don't think there's been a whole lot of progress there since he went there. My other one was maybe a bit more bit more of an obvious one. But yeah, for me, I think Matt Rule could be could be looking at a, a new job maybe next year.
0: I see I I'm gonna I'm actually I'm gonna chime in on this one because I think there is a similarity here between what we were talking about with Flores and the Dolphins and what we're seeing with Rule and the Panthers. And I think it comes like phil talked about i think it comes down to them being unable to solve the quarterback position because teddy didn't work out last year darnold started well but kind of faltered and then kind of being injured they've now gone to cam and cam looks both good and bad at the same time and until you can solve that there's only so much like an all-star player like christian mccaffrey can solve when he's on the field but he's again for both of rule seasons now he's missed large chunks of the season so far with injuries so I don't necessarily think that getting rid of rule is the solution to the problem but if you don't think rule can assist what the solution to the problem is when they get the quarterback of of the team that they want in then maybe it is time to just cut losses and move on I,
1: I- I like your point. I think the one thing that I would say is that I don't think it's just they haven't solved the quarterback situation. I just don't think they've solved offense. I think defense is great, but spends so long on the field that they get worn down. I just don't think anything in that offense really functions very well without McCaffrey. And ultimately, I think McCaffrey over the last two years has proved why teams don't spend the big money on running backs because they take a lot of knocks and they're going to get injured at points. And I think if you're, and you're seeing it in the Titans now, if your whole offense is predicated on one running back, chances are that at some point they're going to get injured and you need to have other options. And I just don't think they have an answer for it. And maybe I think part of that's rule. I think chopping and changing quarterbacks doesn't help, but just that whole offense is dysfunctional.
2: Yeah, uh, my only point on Matt Rule is I actually really like Matt Rule as a a head coach. And when he came into the NFL as a Cardinals fan, I was gutted, you know, because I really thought he was a kind of transformative head coach. Yes, coming from the college game without NFL experience, but a guy who'd really built cultures with each of those kind of college experience he'd had, really created programs that had seen those colleges excel and really seemed to have a long term plan. Now, in the NFL, talk me through that long-term plan. Teddy Bridgewater, one-year quarterback, didn't work out, moved on. Sam Darnold, I mean, you made the point, JB, even if he's healthy, I think they move on. And now you've got in Cam Newton, and he's not a long-term solution at quarterback. Will you go, where's the long-term plan? They're going to be three years and three quarterbacks. No real improvement. And then the other thing, and we don't know this, but when there was the talk about them trying to get Deshaun Watson, one of the things amongst NFL insiders was that what was potentially on the table to get Deshaun Watson was McCaffrey. Now that doesn't make any sense either. You know, that doesn't scream of long-term planning either when this is a guy you've paid the money on a long-term deal. And now you're trying to effectively send away. I think Deshaun Watson improves the Panthers like he improves probably almost every NFL team. But I just think, where is this long-term plan and where's the progression? Um, Phil, I had no idea you were going to say Matt Rule. And my first reaction was, never in a million years. I think he'll be given longer, probably a couple of seasons longer, even if it continues to meander as it is. But do you know what you've got me thinking? You know, maybe ownership. And I mean, this is what, not only is he a first-time NFL head coach, he had brand new ownership, didn't he, who bought him in maybe they, they will run out of patience. Um, I did think that you were going to mention one of mine. So I had one and a backup just in case mine went along the way. And do you know what? One of them I think is almost so obvious that it doesn't need to be talked about at any great length. So let's just say Matt Nagy does not start next season as the head coach of the Chicago Bears right I mean that is I mean they could do anything between now and the end of the year and that is just a tire fire of a situation I love um, that
1: none of us pick that because it's no, so obvious I mean, it is that so we're obvious, all like somebody else will do it
2: <laughs> somebody else will pick Matt but let's put Matt Nagy out there and I'm gonna go actually and it, it changes today surely Joe Judge right in in New York I mean if you are Ultimately seeing your offensive coordinator go to the sword, you know, you you've seen Jason Garrett go out the door. Ultimately that says to me, particularly in New York, we we've seen this with, with previous head coaches. That means that the head coach has described the OC as the problem. And the head coach now has the remainder of the season to prove that they were right. You know, that they can turn it around with different personnel and coaching staff in charge of that offense and in charge of play calling. Um, The Giants have an element of that Dolphins kind of story we were telling, don't we, that there was all those things coming out in camp about how much Joe Judge was a big disciplined guy and there were players wanting to be traded, players retiring, all these things just because of supposedly Joe Judge's coaching methods. No, I don't mind that. I don't mind Joe Judge being a disciplinarian. I think when you're a head coach, you've got to do things your own way sometimes. And if that's the way he wants to coach, good for him. But it's got to work, right? I mean, we've seen this before. We saw it, you know, with, I suppose, with Pedersen at the Eagles, even after a Super Bowl. You know, if you absolutely want to take a team your way and you have that single-minded approach, then when it doesn't work, you can't really look anywhere else. Um, The weird thing is, it's kind of a similar situation to Seattle. You almost say, should they just start again, blow it up and rebuild? But then would you want to? That feels like the second time in three years and so on. But yeah, I'm going to go Joe Judge for me. Um, Matt Nagy, uh, honourable mention. Um, But yeah, has Joe got enough time to turn it around and prove he should start next season as a head coach in New York?
1: I think you're spot on with that. I think they get shot of him. And equally, I think Danny Dimes goes as well. I think that experiment's probably run its course. I think if you're getting rid of the OC. Like you say, it, the head coach is probably pointing to that. The OC is probably t- pointing to the quarterback and it's a, it's a magical merry-go-round of the blame game, isn't it? But I think ultimately you probably get rid of both and, and try, try over, realize your mistake and go again. My,
3: uh, as you didn't say it, my other one was going to be Vic Fangio. I think he's uh
1: Yeah, that's a terrible organisation too.
0: (laughs) I think one of the, just while while we've been recording, one of the things I've spotted from NFL discussion is Matt Nagy having to answer questions about the fact that he's apparently been informed that he's going to be fired after Thursday's game. So apparently Matt Nagy might not be on, if he is on the hot seat, he might not be on the hot seat ever. I think Fanjo is a good shout as well. I think we have kind of talked about that frequently, I f- I would offer the suggestion that maybe Fangio wasn't at the top of all of our minds because what we have picked are Flore- like Flores, rule guys who are being guys who maybe have come in with some promise and have been a bit of a disappointment. Whereas Fangio has been more like we were expecting him to be bad. He's been bad. Roll
2: credits. Yeah, exactly that. D- difficult for, for Fangio, though, being a defensive-minded head coach and never really having the quarterback to, to carry or, or to really properly lead an offence. But, yeah, the the only thing that makes me wonder about some of these, you know, is there's not really a huge number of names that you'd want to put in head coaching positions. Are there? I mean, you think, I mean, there's a number of first-year guys that obviously we've not picked on. But, I mean, I can imagine more than half of the first-year head coaches being sacked, being one and done. I don't know, maybe it's another pod where we pick through the candidates to replace them, because I don't think there are as many as NFL ownership would like, really. I mean, you know, you do you pick, you know, from the Chiefs? Do you pick, I don't know, may, maybe this inconsistent season, maybe it'll mean ownership, or maybe less trigger-happy than they would have been in other years. But there you go, a wonderful conversation to round us out. There's our thoughts on who is on the block when it comes to our NFL head coaches. And it rounds out another stellar episode, gentlemen. Pat yourselves on the back. Um, a job well done, I think. And all that is left to do, funny I remember this again, right, is to go through the winners and losers in terms of our Pickham game. JB, why don't you share the scores with listenership, please? Who won no, last week? No,
1: I don't, don't think we need to do that. Don't worry about I,
2: it. I, I really <laughs> think we do. I think we do, and I think I'm almost going to get music now for, for this particular part. Um, how did we do last week, JB? Take us through it.
0: Yes, listeners, you will be aware of from his tone for the fact that for the fourth week, Rob Rose was victorious. Uh, Phil coming in a very close second. Um, The gamble on the Jags last week, not paying off, unfortunately, uh, with Aldrin and myself still putting in a respectable eight and six. Um, So on the year that puts three of us at over 100 correct and one of us not. Sorry, Aldrin.
2: How weird, though. I mean, I went from 4 and 10 the week before to 10 and 4 this week, and I could very easily be 4 and 10 again this weekend looking at my picks. But yeah, if you want to see what games we have, what winners, sorry, we've picked for the NFL Slater games across all of the ties this week, follow us on social. You can uh, follow on Twitter, or you can find us on Instagram and watch video shows of our pod on YouTube. But gentlemen, a stunning job. Let's catch up again in seven days' time. Thanks, Rob. This is amazing. Ooh. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends.